Welcome to a special feature Insight episode. I'm Andrew Sawcox, the host of Insight, the insurance news podcast. In this special feature, we recount an interview between our managing editor, John Deeks, and the quality advice reviewer, Michelle Levy. As insurancenews.com.au has reported, the review, recommended by the Hain Royal Commission, is looking at ways to make financial advice more accessible and affordable. Ms. Levy will provide a final report to government this week on December 16, but has already made many of her views known, including the fact that she does not believe broker commissions should be banned. We hope you'll find this conversation useful. Over to you, John. Hello. Thank you so much for making time for us. No problem. If you're able to just talk through the paper on, on commissions and, and how you came to those conclusions, that would be fantastic. Okay. I suppose the starting point is that in a perfect world there would be no commissions at large, not only on financial products or insurance products, but we don't live in a perfect world. And so then the question for me was whether in the context where there are bans on conflicted remuneration for investment products in the main, then should that be extended to apply to commissions for or other forms of what would otherwise be conflicted remuneration for the um, financial products that are currently excluded. And so they, in the main, insurance products, general insurance, consumer credit insurance and life insurance. Commissioner Hain had said that he thought life insurance commissions should go unless there was a good reason to keep them. He also said that exceptions should be looked at, including general insurance commissions, but it was a bit of a different um, starting point, I think. So it wasn't like a presumption that they should go. And so then I was looking at, well, do they serve any um, purpose from the perspective of consumers? And with respect to arrangements where there are where personal advice is given, which is where the greatest harm I think could be, we really in general insurance actually see no harm. There is no evidence that they are causing harm, and there is evidence that people actually consumers this is actually like commissions. It's convenient. Mm. It shouldn't be invisible. There are disclosure obligations. And so I suppose I thought, well, is there a good reason to undo something that doesn't appear to be causing harm, especially in circumstances where there has been a a great deal of pressure on the industry, the general insurance industry and the life insurance industry and advisors and brokers themselves. So it's been a really difficult patch. So I don't think a case was made to make a change in the context of general insurance. As Mm. I said, life insurance was a slightly different position because I was starting with a presumption that it should go unless there was a good reason to keep it. Now, there I think I've been persuaded that there is, in fact, a good reason to keep it. Um, There's been a file review undertaken by ASIC of 
advice files, mm. they have concluded that advice has improved. It's not amazing. It's not fantastic and there's still too many people giving for advice, but it's got better. There's also the evidence such as we have is that it's the advice given for life insurance and uh, superannuation where conflicted RAM is banned uh, is kind of, you know, on par. It suggests to me that to the extent there is poor advice, it's not in fact being contributed to by commission. And then the other thing on life insurance, again, is as the evidence that has been presented to me does point to the fact that there is an issue with people having sufficient life insurance. There is real evidence that people won't pay for advice about life insurance. I don't think that one thing I was wondering a lot about was whether superannuation was the answer, but Mm -hmm. for all of the reasons that we had PIMF and PYS and, you know, concerns about eroding superannuation balances and what it's for, I am persuaded that that isn't the answer. So group life is not the answer. Um, And so I, again, worried that I would do more harm than good in recommending that life insurance commissions be removed. Mm. And that's probably a summary of both general and life. I am worried that there would be more harm than good in removing commissions at the moment. Okay. On um, general insurance commissions, brokers, as you probably know, brokers sort of say there's no incentive for us to move a person to one insurer or another based on commissions because they're broadly the same across across the yes. board. A couple of points that people do raise is it would be in brokers' interests to persuade a client to take out more insurance yeah. Because then they're getting more commission. The other one that comes up is around natural catastrophes. At, at the moment, as you're aware, that the market is such that premiums are rising fast on the back of a lot of natural catastrophe events. And there's an argument that yes. why why should brokers' incomes rocket on the back of, you know, client misfortune essentially? So, you know, those premiums go up, the broker commission goes up as well. And some people don't like that aspect. I don't know if you have a view on that. Well, again, the difficulty I have is I think that if brokers aren't paid commission, they won't be in business and they won't be providing advice at all. That's where I come to this sort of harm versus good. Mm. And then I'm in the world of do I suggest there should be caps or fixed fees and I'm not persuaded that the industry can't work on the caps themselves rather than me or government or a regulator. I know we've got caps in life insurance. We've got caps in consumer credit insurance. I I don't know that they're particularly beneficial to consumers beyond doing exactly what you've described and what exists in general insurance. Insurance is it stops sort of people competing between between each other on the basis of who's paying a higher commission. I think that bit's beneficial to consumers. But beyond that, I'm not convinced that I should be or that I could be 
suggesting where a cap might lie. Yeah. So neither and brokers in the main have argued that if brokers had to charge a fee, that consumers would be put off. Uh, and, and that some small businesses, for example, would just not seek advice. Now, you do get an alternative view. Some brokers come forward and say, I switched to a fee and everyone's fine with it. And you pay your accountant, you, you pay your lawyer. Why, why don't you pay your broker as well? And so there is a counter argument, but you agree with neighbor do you, that, that a fee could put people off seeking advice? Yeah, people like commissions. They actually like commissions. We've... But I think there's lots of evidence of that. And I have made a very modest recommendation that people be told, and well, they're told already, but they consent to a commission arrangement. And the reason for suggesting that is that I would like people to have more alternatives. So I think my overall package of you know recommendations is a lot about introducing greater diversity, more advice more forms of advice and more ways of paying for advice. And so I would like to think that more people move to fee-for-service. As I said, in a perfect world, that is the model that would be preferable. But I think that is assisted by asking for consent. So it is a conversation with the client, between the broker and the client, to say, this is how I am remunerated. Are you okay with that? If not... I can provide you with advice for, you know, a fee. Alternatively, I can't, but somebody else can and they you start creating some competition. I suppose I, I have a um, kind of almost an ethical issue with commission and a concern about what it motivates, but that isn't a good enough reason to say that they shouldn't exist. Because in the real Michelle world. Levy's, <laughs> yeah, in Michelle Levy's, you know, moral kind of <laughs> concern about the um, the value and the uh, of a commission isn't a good reason for me to recommend that they go. And I do see in the consumer groups who oppose commissions, you sort of ask why and you start looking at why and they talk about introducing conflicts and that's obvious. But then you say, well... <laughs> Is the conflict hurting anyone? And that's the real question. And in general insurance in particular, I don't think it is. I haven't seen evidence that it is. And I suppose the fact is that insurance is a good thing and under-insurance is an issue. So it's not like brokers are pushing something bad on people in a way. Do you see what I mean? I do. I do. That's right. And especially... The other thing is, and I haven't, I don't have it here, but we've done a lot of work, and the Secretariat's done a lot of work with NEBA and others, looking at who, who actually where commission is being paid. There's a lot of products. There's no commission, so there's a lot of direct sales of general insurance. So it's actually not a large issue. That's the other thing I think to keep in mind. Um, so a lot of the consumer products that we all buy aren't sold using commissions anyway. They're not brokers. So, you know, your car insurance and your home and content in the main aren't distributed with commissions being paid to brokers or intermediaries. So I just don't think it's an issue. I think my other proposals will also be helpful, I think, for consumers 
the good advice, Judy, for me is the expansion of personal advice I think is really important in general insurance. The expansion of personal advice I think will make a really large difference to consumers because general insurers in particular are people who distribute products using general advice. So this will force a lot of them to give personal advice which means they need to think about who am I speaking to? Am I speaking to somebody in a, you know, in far north Queensland and therefore they should have this kind of cover? Mm. They should actually be giving advice about that takes into account that person's circumstances. And so I think that's a really positive move for consumers and that's what I really want to get through. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, one example of that, I think, is is when insurers ask you for a sum insured for your property. If your house is wiped out and you have to rebuild it, how much is that going to cost? People don't know, do they? Um, no, I, that, I think that was an example we've used, even. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that you want the person to say at the other end of the phone, oh, that's too little or... Really? Are your contents really only worth $20,000? You know, like they might be, but what if you need to replace them? But they won't give a view because they're not. No. Because they're giving. Not at the moment. Yeah. That's right. And so I want them to do that. I want them to say, Michelle, you really, you know, need whatever it is. Or Michelle, you drive this kind of car. It's notorious for having X. You should have that cover, but by the way, Michelle, you know, you're over 50, you really don't need whatever, X. Mm. So it's that that I am particularly keen to see happen because I think that will be a really good consumer outcome. Yeah, and I know with brokers, Niebuhr sort of says, you guys should all be giving personal advice because that's the only way you can give genuine value. That's the only way you can be a real insurance broker, really. Um, well, that's right. But some don't. Some do still work under a general advice model, I guess, because it's easier. Yeah, I don't know how they do. I Actually, um, even the general insurers that do it over the telephone, I worry, I would worry that as soon as they start asking some questions, how do they stick to general advice? You know, it's really hard and I, if I was a broker and I'm actually face-to-face with a customer, I don't know, that's the Westpac case that, you know, went to the High Court. They said we're giving general advice and the High Court said, no, you're not. You've got all this information about people. You're talking to them. Mm. It's personal advice because the person expects it to be personal advice and it is. So... Anyway, and I think the other thing on conflicted remuneration that's really important to think about is, and this is why, again, I've focused on the consent where it's personal advice, because that's where you have that kind of, where you're the broker, you kind of have that fiduciary-type relationship. You don't have that with the travel agent who's got a brochure on their, you know, counter for travel insurance. So it's that relationship where you trust the person to be acting in your interests, which I think people do when they go to a broker. That's what they're there for. How do you actually see that working? Because brokers have asked a few questions about, oh, we don't really know how that's going to operate. So 
Is like, it like, like literally every time they arrange insurance for a client, they've got to get written consent for a commission? No, 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 no. Well, I'm, I, it's the initial, it's the beginning of that relationship. Right. So, as I understand it, often brokers will have like a client agreement. And I would, and that's where they, the client would authorize them to go out and do whatever, you know, write the insurance on it, you know, find the right insurance and so on. And the way that if I was setting it up is you would have something in that agreement which says, I will be paid by a, by the life, sorry, the general insurer paying me a commission. It will be this amount or this range. And I'll tell you what it is every year because they, you know, I'll send you an invoice or whatever. Um, if that was to change and it was no longer the case, then you would have to tell the person and get their consent again. But I think it's a entering into that relationship is at the point at which you do it. It's not an ongoing every single time you write something. So it's not meant to be, as I said, it's not intended to be an onerous obligation, but it is intended to have a conversation and an element of honesty, I suppose. It's very hard to say to somebody in the law, you must be honest and have an open conversation. But that's what it is intended to do. Just to make sure the client knows that that this is how the broker's getting paid. Yes. Yeah. And I know that ASIC is concerned about disclosure. They point to the fact that it actually can be counterproductive because it can um, mean that people... Don't they give you too much trust? You know, if I, I come to you and I say that yeah, I'm paid a commission by the general insurer, you don't have to worry about it. They'll say the client will think, oh gosh, they're so honest. I can trust them. Mm. Uh, and they and ASICs say, well, actually, that doesn't follow. I am less sure that it doesn't follow. I understand that it might build a build too much trust, but it seems to me better than not saying anything. At least <laughs> the person has the opportunity to think, oh, okay, there's a commission, what does that mean? Do I want to pay a commission? Would I rather pay a fee for service? So I think that's a that's what it's intended to allow to happen. I, I completely acknowledge that in many cases the person will hear it, they won't pay any particular attention to it, but it's better than not knowing or not being in, put in a position to know and agree. Just quickly on the personal advice, general advice thing, if you push more more companies into the sort of personal advice yes. zone, yes. Would, that, would that sort of add to the compliance burden and possibly the cost? Because... You know, the yeah. cost of insurance is a problem at the moment. Yeah, no, I understand that issue. I have, um, it's been raised and, in fact, I'm at that point in my trying to write about it at the moment. Yeah. I suppose there are two things. One, the span the definition of personal advice at the same time as I adjust the duties that attach to it. Now, I understand in general insurance those duties are not um, as onerous perhaps as other financial products advice but they're there and I I'm not even sure they're well suited to the nature of the 
advice and product that's being recommended. So what I am looking at is a duty of good advice, which I think will and is intended to be more fit for purpose. So, you know, what is the nature of the advice that I am giving here? If it's home and content insurance or, I don't know, whatever else it is, what's relevant is going to be very, very narrow. So I would like to think that's not going to be very hard. Now, if it is really hard, I would say don't give advice at all. Just give information. Good information, in my view, is better than a recommendation that isn't tailored to you. So, I mean, if I say our customers all have this kind of insurance cover, you should have that too. You know, you, you might want to think about having that too. But in fact, for whatever reason, it's completely terrible for that person, then that's terrible advice and you don't want them to get it. In that case, I think better don't give it. General advice, in my view, the spot for general advice is in a seminar, in a newsletter. It's not on in a one-to-one conversation. To finish that thought, people think they're getting personal advice. If they're talking to you on the phone, they think they're getting personal advice. They think you're making a personal recommendation. So I think, and they say, oh, you should, you know, I haven't taken into account your personal circumstances. You should do that. Well, they don't. Worse, you should get financial advice about your personal circumstances. They're not going to do it. (laughs) Right. With brokers, I mean, one of the big things that Neva has tried to push in sort of off on a bit of a tangent to this issue is just the value of brokers because I guess they wanted to make clear how important each insurance brokers are. Did you agree on that point? Did you do you see that insurance general insurance brokers perform a really valuable service? Yeah, no, I do. As do advisors. And so again, when I looked at going back to that sort of initial point about am I doing more harm than good, the industry includes brokers and advisors. And we don't have a lot. <laughs> We've got very few. And so I think to do something that would put at risk the few that we have would also be counterproductive. So, yes, I do see their value. Excellent. And, yeah, they all, they always bring up the work they do on claims as well. So it's quite hard to do that claims work in a model. Yeah, it's an interesting one, but yeah, the, 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 they say that the commissions basically allow them to perform that claims function as well. I know. I Look, I have heard that. Without dismissing that, I accept that in some cases that is true. It's not universally true. Commission is a payment for selling a product. I think they need to be direct, and that's part of this consent thing. It is a payment for selling the product. If the broker says, you know, I've got an ongoing relationship with you and I'm also going to do this to assist you, that's good. That's a bonus. It's not what they're being paid for. So I said it and I that note didn't express it clearly enough, but it's, I, perhaps it might only be in the life bit, but it applies equally in um, general is if you are going to provide another service, you need to tell the client, but you're not. Uh, that's a matter for you and the client. I'm not going to say you have to provide another um, service. It goes back to that initial thing. These are commissions. Let's be upfront and honest about what it is and how you're being paid. 
and I don't want to mandate that people get some sort of service for that because then we end up with fee for no advice, you know, like <laughs> it's and you involve insurers. The insurers are paying a, a sales commission. They're not paying you to provide an ongoing service to your client. I mean, it's a big part of their value proposition, brokers. You know, it's one of the things they always say. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's fine. When you have a claim, it'll be you'll be very glad you've got a broker in your corner. Yeah, oh, yeah, and good, good on them. <laughs> Go with your life, but I'm not. As I said, that's not what commission is at its heart. Do you understand? I mean, other inquiries have recommended the abolition of. I know commissions. A triple C. The ACCC did, yes. Do you I understand know. why? I did. I did understand why. Now <laughs> I, I did because we spoke with them because I couldn't see from their report. I read the report and I, it was not clear to me why they did recommend it. Part of a report about Northern Australia and trying to reduce yeah. the cost of insurance in Northern Australia. I guess the implication was by removing broker commissions, you could make insurance cheaper, but brokers obviously but then you- didn't agree with that. Well, then you don't distribute it. You don't have insurance. That's, I mean, it'll be cheap because you won't have it. <laughs> I have seen it and I was nervous because, you know, they are, I respect them highly. Uh, but they d- actually didn't have a case. Like they really didn't say anything that made me think that there's a, a reason beyond, well, as you say, cost. It does add to cost, but then there's, evidence that I don't know and we haven't tested it and we can't test it, but there is a distribution cost. Now, if you, it could be that you pay somebody a commission to distribute your product or you have other means of distributing, in which case you're still paying. Mm. Would a fee be any cheaper? A fee, would it be cheaper? Would how direct marketing, like direct sales, is that cheaper? They tell us no. I'm not sure that that necessarily is the case, but I, I, do, I just didn't think that there was a good reason beyond, again, a sort of moral repugnance. Do you understand why the consumer groups get so angry about it? I mean, is it that ethical? I think it is. I think it is. They, well, they think that there's mis-selling, that, and, I, I, and this keeps coming back to have we seen evidence of mis-selling in general insurance? I'm not sure that we have in, well, we have, there are some examples, but CCI was, you know, oh, well, yeah. that wasn't generalists, but CCI. But in the main, I don't think there's been evidence that a commission distribution model is causing harm. Mm, I think so in, now going I'm back going. to the, the Hain hearings, I recall, you know, obviously the life insurance there was some very unfortunate recorded phone calls. Oh, it's uh, terrible. People pushing life insurance. Yeah. With general insurance, there was the add-on stuff around motor. Yeah, but that's all gone. high commissions and incentives that yeah. led, led to bad outcomes. But, I mean, the industry would say we've moved on from that. We we don't sell that anymore and we've remediated. Well, like the Haim um, add-on insurance commission changes, the anti-hawking. The deferred sales, you know, for add-on, deferred sales, anti-hawking, you can't ring someone. That dreadful life insurance, it's in my report, my draft report, because it is it sticks in my mind as the most 
horrendous story. I think I was quoted in the financial review that I have a disabled daughter. So that story was like kills me. Absolutely, you know, sits in my mind. But it can't Which happen. Is the now. One where they pushed it on a was it a man with Down syndrome? Yeah. 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 It was appalling. It was probably illegal then, but it's certainly illegal now. Couldn't happen. Mm. So I, I, and again, if I said no more commissions, why wouldn't the life company, and there was nothing else, the life company could make that call, you know, because they then, I mean, and that's the other point about if you take away commissions, who's to say that the insurers are going to drop premiums? I, I do feel kind of uncomfortable because of my discomfort around, but I just keep coming back to who cares about Michelle's discomfort? Um, we, what we're looking at is evidence of harm and and evidence that things would be better if there were no commissions. And that's the bit I don't think there is any evidence things would be better and there is a risk things could be worse. Right. Well, I really appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, John.